Thursday, finance. Stephen Pritchard, is everything going all right with our currency? And Every, our everything's improved since you're back, Jane. Excellent. Everything's, I knew I was leaving it with the right people. That's, uh, except, except the gold price. So the gold price was down $31.43 an ounce to $1,813.48 an ounce. So that's not too bad. Uh, the crude oil price was up $1.50 a, a barrel to uh, uh, $97.60. Australian, so it's getting towards $100 a barrel there. Um, that's also not quite such good news. Well, everything's up, I said yeah, that. Uh, the, the US dollar, the US dollar, we're up against the US dollar. Uh, we're up uh, 0.4 cents to 71.15 uh, US cents. Okay. Uh, against the Great British Pound, we were, we were down um, uh, 0.18 pence to 54.07 pence. So, you know, it's interesting as we commented before. That despite all the doom and gloom, um, the, the British pound is just holding steady or drifting up. That's uh, so anyhow. So uh, the New Zealand dollar, uh, we're a dollar and four. So that was up half a cent. We're up a half a cent against that. And the euro um, was sixty three point three one, which is basically euro cents, which is basically the same as last week. Yeah. Uh, the equity markets, well, the equity mm-hmm. markets were all up around the world, which is uh, so we're all wealthier. We're all wealthier marginally, some more mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, because um, this is post budget, we're talking about the yesterday. Um, so six thousand. 368, which was up uh, 112 points or 1.7%. So obviously investors kind of like the budget. Um, the S&P 500 was up uh, 58 points to 2,873, which was up 2% on the week. And the UK index, um, well, FTSE was um, 7,418, which was up 2.5% on the week. So, um, and uh, Well, then, speaking about the budget, do you like the budget? Oh, man, the budget was okay. There's a lot of stuff on the never-never there. I mean, the tax rates, the new tax rates coming in 2013 or something. 23 or something. 23. Um, yeah, there's two elections between there and now. They've got the one coming up and then you've got another three years after that that's going to bring you up to 2022, whether you actually see them. It is a lot simpler, though. I have to admit that. It's a lot simpler. It makes a lot more sense. But, uh, yeah, whether we see them. Um, BHP BHP was up um, $1.67 to $39.91, so mm-hmm. it's getting close to that $40 mark. Uh, CBA was up uh, $0.48 cents to $71.39, and uh, NIB was up $0.10 cents to $5.36, and Telstra was steady at $3.31. And it's still over $3. It's still over $3, <laughs> yep. And the Newcastle fuel price was $1.36.3, which was up. Um, one and a half cents on the week. Mm-hmm. The Sydney fuel price was a dollar forty three point two, which was down two point nine cents on the week. And uh, the diesel fuel price was a dollar forty nine point three, which was a point ten of a cent or one tenth of a cent. And uh, the um, Sydney was a dollar forty seven point three. Mm. Of course, there's a big um, light raft of holidays coming up because you've got the Easter holiday and then the following week you've got the... Um, yeah, so if you if you work your week right, you can have the Wednesday, and just one of my staff pointed this out, of course, mm. Wednesday, Thursday off, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday off on holidays and then you have the Friday off and you get almost two weeks of... Just popping into work occasionally. Uh, I don't think they had that in mind. Uh, anyway. You'd be happy if they didn't. <laughs> no, that's I'm all right. Sure. That's all right. 
Time for our market update. Stephen Pritchard, what's been happening? First of all, Woolies. It's been a bit quiet lately, but there's a few things we can talk about. Okay. Woolworths, Woolworths has announced a buyback okay. um, on uh, Monday. And for those of you who don't follow the news closely, so they're basically offering to buy back uh, some of their shares. So it's one of these tender buybacks. Um, so you, you put in how many shares you wish to sell back to the company, and the company then works out what the average price people are wanting to sell back, subject to some floor price. And um, they buy back those shares. Now, the interesting thing is in the in the buyback component, the, the buyback price will consist of uh, $4.79 plus the difference will be a franked dividend. So there's a number of planning opportunities there if you wish to take part in the buyback. Um, if you wish to uh, take part in the buyback, and you don't own Woolworth shares, you've got an opportunity to buy them today. Today is the last day you can buy them, and you'll be on the register for the cut-off date for the buyback, and you'll also satisfy the the 45-day rule to obtain your franking credits. So uh, quite quite handily, Woolworths is included in their their booklet, which you won't have received, but you can go to Woolworths' website and download it, or the ASEX website and download it. And it's got a calculation of... um, what you will end up with on your different tax brackets, because the tax the tax position on these uh, buybacks is um, quite significant. So, so some people are able to pick up a couple of dollars by buying the subject to the buyback price by buying the shares today and accepting the buyback. So, anyhow, that's an interesting thing to have a look at for people who've got some time. But you know, today's the last day you can buy the shares to and participate take in the buyback. Part in that. Yeah. Now, when you when you do a tender for a buyback. You actually have to name the price here. Yeah, well, you can name the price. Yeah. Uh, um, it depends what you want to do. They, they, they've used to got a, a, a name various prices, or you can just tick the average price. Right. Okay. Now, unless if if you actually want to buy them and to sell them, uh, or if you want to sell them, you're best off putting the average price in. And which means you get the same price. Um, and if you name a higher price and the higher price you want is above the average price, your shares won't get taken. So if you want to sell them at a specific price, name that price. But if you just want to sell them, say, name the average price. And the average price has got a floor price under it. So, you know, they're not going to be sold for a dollar. It'll tell you the lowest price you'll actually get if you name the average price. So, so when... We advise our clients generally to just tick the box to the average price. To say average. Yeah. Okay, let's move to milk. Well, A2 milk was the... Now, this is an interesting story. Now, A2 milk was a few weeks ago was, um, you know, uh, made lots of money in the half year. They came out, profits increased. Now, this week, uh, yesterday, yesterday they came out with an announcement to say that um, they're expecting the profits to fall in the half year. And the reason they're giving for this is that they've got reduced supply from New Zealand and Europe, and they're having to pay more for their milk. So I didn't actually know that A2 Milk was buying milk from Europe, but anyhow, it appears out. So A2 Milk buy is it's got what, that. What about from Australia? We do they do have milk from Australia too, do they? I, I don't know. That's it's a New Zealand company. For... Okay, so, so maybe it's, not. Uh, uh, they, they probably do because it's that cows which has got some special uh, pedigree. Yeah, there's A to genes and B genes or something. Anyhow, the A2 genes are supposed to be easily, more easily digestible. And they've got A2 milk in the supermarkets and it's shared as a premium. But I thought it was interesting that they, the comment was that the, the milk supply prices are going up. 
Uh, yes, which is good news for farmers. <laughs> yeah, well, that was an interesting comment. Yeah. Um, and here's another interesting thing. Lift, lift list. I mean, we usually talk about Australian stocks, but I thought this was interesting. Lift, lift is a competitor to Uber. So and it's spelled L-Y-F-T. L-Y-F-T, yes. 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 So lift is a competitor to Uber. And it was likened, I think, I saw this article this week, it's like the the Pepsi-Cola and the Coca-Cola battle and lifts the Pepsi-Cola battle. So basically the technologies that they, they use is basically almost identical. So Lyft, Lyft was going to uh, – listed on the US stock market this week. The listing price was $72 and it's already down 4% to $67.78. So, so once again, it's like Uber. The company doesn't actually make any money. No. So Lyft doesn't make any money. Uber doesn't make any money. So why would you want to be a shareholder? Um, well, that's probably why the share price is dropping. Uh, <laughs> so Uber's had a lot of Uber, not so much Lyft. It, you don't see Lyft. When I was in the US a couple of years ago, Lyft was kind of everywhere. You don't kind of see them here that much. Um, uh, Uber Uber has had some criticisms in Australia. The taxi drivers or the, the drivers have worked out how little they earn. Mm. So the company's not making any money. Uh, the taxi, the drivers generally appear not to be making any money. And Cab Charge or what's called A to B now have come out and said they're going to win the battle. So um, oh, they might well. They might well. Uber's had some problems in a couple of other countries too. I yeah, I think there's big problems in India. Yes. Um, apparently they leased all the cars to the Indian taxi drivers or something or other and and uh, the Indian taxi or the Indian drivers then couldn't get any business and couldn't afford to yes. pay the leases. And okay, and there was, there was some case in Britain, I think, that involved... Yeah, aren't they banned from were, London or something? Could Well, most cars are banned from you know, yeah. London anyway. Yeah, yeah. and uh, certainly in Vietnam... Um, yeah, so, so the drivers here are complaining that, you know, by the time they mm. take, get the money and Uber's taking this percentage and then they've got to pay for their for their car and their you know, mm. petrol and everything, they're not making any money, which which, which doesn't surprise me. Mm. Fortescue. Yeah, Fortescue's the, the iron ore miner in WA. So so they came out this week and said so they're going to commit um, $3.7 billion to develop a, a, a magnetite mine, which is a kind of iron ore, um, with a couple of other partners now. This is kind of interesting because because there's talk that the iron ore price is, is going to fall. So Fortescue seems to be thinking the other way and committing $3.7 billion to it. Now, Fortescue have been right before when everyone else has been wrong. So There's so, a chance it so might be there's again. a chance they could be right. Um, and rice growers. So rice growers... Um, Rice growers is presently listed or was listed on NSX. Uh, tomorrow it's moving across to the ASX. Now, when it was listed on NSX, only people who owned a rice farm mm-hmm. could, uh, I assume that's the technical term for a rice farm. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, only people who owned a rice farm or farmed rice could actually buy shares in rice growers. Oh. oh. So when it moves across the ASX, everyone's going to be able to buy shares in the B-class shares of rice growers that is listing. So rice growers, in case you probably know it by its major brand name, which is Sunrise, which is when you go ah, yes. along to Coles and Woolworths and all the Sunrise packets are there. Yes. That they're all coming from rice growers. So if you're interested in agricultural stocks, a new one joins the... Uh, list tomorrow that you can buy. 
Okay. And the building industry. So Tamar Woods are uh, a home builder um, based in uh, Queensland, and its major brand is Dixon Homes. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, once again, you know, probably see the Dixon Homes signs around rather than Tamar Woods signs. So uh, the first half year of new was down 12%, um, which is no surprising really because of is the Is that top... ref- reflective of the building industry the, Reflective generally? of the building industry, yeah. I suspect, generally. Yeah. Um, but, but the interesting thing is they expect um, growth to resume in 2020. So they expect to be back going up in 2020. And they also claim that um, in times of building slowdowns, they do better because I understand they're a very efficient building company. So there's probably a a price differential there in times of slowdown. So anyhow, Tamarwood claims that at least their bit in the building industry is going to recover in 2020. Okay, so good news for investors there. Good news for the investors there. And Stephen Pritchard, Mandy joins us from Centrelink. And, um, well, it seems there's always something new happening, isn't it? So, Mandy, so the the, the pensions uh, uh, have changed recently and so some new threshold changes. Um, these were just the, the normal half-yearly ones. They weren't, uh, weren't as a result of any changes in the budget. No, no, just the um, March indexation date came around a couple of weeks ago. So on the 20th of March, um, all our pensioners uh, would start seeing an increase flow flow through to their rates of pension. So the single pension now has increased to a maximum of $926.20 per fortnight. And for couples, the maximums have increased up to $698.10 per fortnight each. So this is just automatic. You don't have to do anything. Don't have to do anything. It automatically applies to your pensions. Um, obviously, at the same time, we uh, do re- a couple of reviews on that 20th of March date. Mm-hmm. And one of the automatic reviews on that date is the valuation of all our shares and unit-based investments comes through. Mm-hmm. So anyone who sh- holds um, investments in the shares or managed funds may have noticed a variation in the value of their financial assets that we're holding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the rate of pension might change, but so too might the rate of the in, the value of the investments held as a result of those automatic updates on the 20th of March. So what about real estate? I've often wondered how you determine the value of real estate because, you know, people put these values down and they ask me and I say, I don't know what the, the house in New Lambton Heights is worth or wherever, I don't know. So so, so how does how does Centrelink go and verify that the, the correct real estate, I mean, managed funds and shares are easy, but mm. what about... Uh, real estate values. So when a, when a person makes application for payment and they own a property asset, we do ask them to provide information on that asset at the time of the claim. They give us their estimate of the value of the property. We then compare that with a database that we maintain. Mm-hmm. So we maintain a database of property values mm-hmm. um, and we look at we ask a lot of questions. Obviously, there's some paperwork that needs to be some completed or some information online that asks details about the property, how many bedrooms, etc. And we compare then their estimate of the value of the property with our database mm-hmm. and see if that fits within the median range for that property in that um, particular location. And we now review property prices annually. So, so it's not a set date. Yep. It's on the anniversary. Okay, so the, the listed securities, the managed funds, are the 20th of March. And the 20th of September. And the 20th of September, and property assets are on the anniversary of the application. That's right, yeah, the anniversary date. So right. every 12 months they may notice a variation in the value of any real estate assets, mm-hmm. and um, that is tied to variations in property values overall across the state. 
And so what happens if they think the values have gone down on the property assets? Can they come in earlier? Absolutely, yeah. If they believe there's been a, a drop in the value outside of those anniversary dates or if they don't agree with the valuation that we may have placed on it through an indexation type update, um, they can absolutely appeal that and um, ask for a review of that decision. Okay. And then one of the issues is is, is this income and assets test. The income, the income isn't necessarily you know, money in the bank is there's a thing called deemed income. That's right. So when we're calculating how much pension a person receives, we look at an income test and an asset test. Um, As far as the income test goes, probably the most common form of income that's used in our income test assessment are the deemed income Mm -hmm. rules. Deeming is basically an assumed rate of return. So where people have money invested in savings and shares, managed funds, uh, sometimes superannuation and income stream investment, investments depending on their age and the time they started those income streams, we simply add all that money together and apply the deemed rates of interest. Mm -hmm. So those deemed rates are set by government. The actual returns people make on their money is disregarded. Mm -hmm. We're just basically assuming a rate of return uh, based on those deeming rates. And so the deemed rate on um, accounts, uh, um, savings accounts and other things, sometimes it's a bit hard to achieve at the moment, I think. Well, potentially, unfortunately, the deeming rates um, are 3.25% is the high deeming rate at the moment. Um, Deeming rates are reflective of the entire market, though. Mm -hmm. So people have the opportunities to invest in savings, term deposits, shares, managed funds. So across an average of a, you know, an average sort of weighted portfolio, um, 3.25% is seen to be a fair Oh, that's fair, but but a lot of people just compare it with what they can get in there, the passbook at the... Yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's a bit short. And so what, what about assets? So what's included in the assets here? Assets include, well, I mean, the definition of an asset, I guess, is that's anything of value. I guess it's more, um, a better question is what's not included as an asset. Okay. <laughs> um, so your principal home. So if you live in your own home and you own that property, um, it's exempt as an asset under our asset test, provided it's on less than five acres of land. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's also not included as an asset uh, for our customers who are underage pension age any money they have in superannuation um, that's still in the accumulation phase of super would not be included in the asset test. Um, assets basically include investments, so the value of all those investments you have, cars, boats, caravans. They, they do include your personal effects, so mm-hmm. your home contents, etc. cetera, um, but it's always based on a fair market value. Mm-hmm. So we're not looking at the insurance value of the assets, very important for people when they're um, advising of the value of their home contents, not to give us that insurance value. Yeah, it's particularly important on things like, you know, furniture. You know, you go out and buy a new lounge today for, I don't know what new lounges cost, say 5000 I'd imagine, $5,000, and then you try and sell it on eBay tomorrow, mm. you'd be lucky to get 1500 Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's that resale value. So for the average household full of furniture, for most people, they'd be looking at no more than sort of five to 10000 Mm-hmm. And then these assets, um, so which ones are subject to the deeming and which ones aren't? So financial assets are subject to deeming. So financial assets, in, well, I can't provide every end, yeah, every yeah, topic, but, but the yeah. most common um, financial asset subject to deeming would be savings, term deposits, shares, managed investments, um, superannuation that's in the accumulation phase mm-hmm. if you're over age pension age, mm-hmm. um, and 
income streams that were started, um, account-based pension income streams that were started on or after the 1st of January 2015 are subject to deeming also. There's a few other little things like um, gold bullion type investments, for example. We do deem those. But if you've got, um, you know, an expensive reading ring and an expensive engagement ring, for example, or or Aunt Maud's left you her her diamond brooch, that's included as an asset, but it's not included as... That's exactly right. ...as as for deeming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean you need valuation for them? Oh, look, we, we ask for your estimate of those types of assets. So, mm. yeah, what you believe a, a fair market value is. Mm. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard, we are talking with Mandy Barton and uh, there's always something new happening at Centrelink and, yeah, it's all very interesting. Um, so you've, you've done this asset test and a lot of people want to know how they can reduce their assets to, to either increase their, their, their benefit or get over the over the line to obtain a benefit. So is there any ways you can legitimately decrease your assets? Okay, so ways that you might be able to reduce your assets. Um, a prepaid funeral is something that a lot of people, you know, consider like the idea of. So a pensioner or a customer can have a prepaid funeral and that's exempt from Centrelink assessment regardless of the cost of that prepaid funeral. So if they buy a plot and go to the funeral director and prepay their funeral. Right. Um, alternatively, they could purchase a funeral bond as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you can only have one of those exempt investments though. So you can't prepay your funeral and purchase a funeral bond. I because thought there was a cap on a funeral bond. There is cap. There are caps on funeral bonds. Yep. Um, oh gosh, you've caught me now, Stephen. It's I 12, think it's about twelve. Yeah. It might have been indexed to twelve and a half thousand okay. yep. per person um, on the funeral bonds, but the prepaid funerals don't have a cap because yeah. obviously, depending on the cost of the plot, etc., things like that. Um, another way to reduce assets may be through the allowable gifting limits. Mm-hmm. So under our legislation, a person may gift up to $10,000 in any one financial year. Mm-hmm. There is a second rule that works beside that for gifting, though, that limits gifting to no more than $30,000 over a rolling five-year period. Right. So a lot of people make the mistake of thinking they can gift 30000 in one go. That's not the case no. because the one-year rule limits it to no more than the 10000 So it's 30000 over five years, the maximum of 10000 uh, $10, per year. And so does that... If you've got a couple, does that apply to each person? It's combined for the couples, so unfortunately they don't get right. double. It's yep. it's no, a combined okay. amount okay. for, for the couples. And and what happens if someone decides well, we're not going to take any notice of this? We're going to you know we're just going to give the money yeah. away anyhow. What happens then? Absolutely. I mean, there's no restriction on what a person can give away. It's simply the impact they need to be aware of under our legislation. So if someone does choose to give away a large amount of cash or a house or something something such as that, um, if someone gifted $100,000, for example, in one go, Centrelink would simply assess them as maintaining the $90,000. So we call it deprivation. Mm-hmm. So they have deprived themselves of the asset by gifting it. Yep. So in that example of 100000 we would assume they still had $90,000 of it. And so for how long over the next... It maintains for five years. It doesn't reduce in any way. So we would just simply, it was the one-year rule that they made yep. that gift in. So the $90,000 is maintained as a financial asset for a period of five years. And at the end it drops off? At the end it just automatically drops okay. off. There's okay. no need to ask for it to be reviewed. It will just automatically remove after the five years. 
Okay, so there's basically the limited gifting you can do and a prepaid funeral is the only way you can... Then you've got... Um, there's no restriction on spending money on yourself. So if people want to take a nice holiday, for example, you know, taking a trip, um, and because your home's an exempt asset, um, if you know, things need to be done around the house, you might need to upgrade the kitchen or the bathroom. Any money that's spent on your home being the exempt asset is reducing those assets. Mm-hmm. Very important for people who are looking at that, you know, I need to reduce my assets to get more pension, to really consider consider um, the overall outcome of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's right. You can, you can, you can cut your nose off to, to get the pension and find your significantly financially worse off. Yeah, left yourself in a little bit of a bind. You know, I've said to people before who have all their money in, in property, for example, you yep. can't just sell a bedroom to... I, we, we tell that to clients all the time. Yeah. You can't sell half a property. <laughs> not easily <laughs> anyway. And the other, thing, the other thing is you have to be careful about giving large, not, not just talking about Centrelink, you have to be careful about giving large amounts of money away because once you've given it away, um, yes, I know all about family arrangements, but but it's very difficult to get. You give the money, you get back. You give the money away to the kids, the kids get the money, they go out and upgrade their house or whatever, and you say, oh, we want that money back. Well, they might want to give it back, but they're just not in the position to mm. give it back. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So be careful about giving large sums of money away generally. And... Um, the other thing is, all this is quite complex, um, and Centrelink has a range of seminars. We do. We have lots of seminars that we run regularly, and we advertise those on our website, and they do appear in the um, newspaper on a Saturday. Um, but you can go to our um, website, humanservices.gov.au, to find out the list of upcoming seminars in the local area. Um, my passion is aged care. I... I um, talk to customers uh, very regularly at the moment about the costs of residential aged care. And next week, um, I'm running a seminar at the Walls End Library next Wednesday evening at 5.30pm. Um, bookings are essential for that. So you can um, phone up 136357 to book in or go along to our website and it'll give you the information of emailing to book also. Yeah, I know from, I've sent a few clients along to a few Centrelink seminars and they've come back and they're, they're very pleased with the content. And so it's, it's quite helpful and i'll just make the point that these are kind of uh, free for any free for anyone to attend yes. and there's no kind of financial interest or sponsorship no, it's from all any about banks or, yeah. or education or uh, yeah. the role so of the financial free, information free service yeah. is education yeah. that's what we're here for so, so we send clients along to that as well, so, <laughs> well and it's they're, they're, you know definitely good to be able to some of these aged care stuff's very complex very mm. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mandy, thank you. for coming along from Centrelink. And thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. We'll be back uh, with Thursday Finance next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>